As you know, I've been doing podcasts recently about the uh, outer perceptions of nomad life because people have written, there have been a couple of articles, and you're starting to see a proliferation in these articles, and they've been around for a while, YouTubes and stuff like that about, well, I tried nomad life and it was stupid or it was dirty or it was hard or whatever. And whenever I get that stuff, it, it, it causes me to react. And so I've been doing uh, some podcasts just talking about the, the whole thing. I'm in California, in Holtville, California, at a Hot Springs uh, Bureau of Land Management place. And just so you know, there's dogs running around. You're going to hear them. There is... A little bit of wind, which is good because it keeps the flies down. But then because this is an agricultural area, because there's an irrigation ditch not too far from here, we have these flies. And if you, if you know anything about being in the desert in the summer, if there is a drop of water, flies will come from God knows where they come from. The spawn of Satan. They just <laughs> they come in. And so I have to spray every now and then to keep them down just so I can do the podcast because they, they, they swarm. And when they start swarming, it makes my skin crawl because I hate flies. By the time the sun starts to go down, they go away, and then you get a respite, and that's fine. But uh, during the day when you're working or doing something like this, then you have to, you know, you got to do this. So I've been struggling with this a little bit because... Um, I wanted to talk about the sheer joys of Go, Go, Go. One of the podcasts I did about this, I happened to mention uh, the writer Jack Kirak and the book On the Road in a recent podcast. I mentioned Kirak as kind of the patron saint of nomads. And On the Road is is really uh, officially a true American classic. Some people believe that it is the great American novel for the 20th and late 20th century, uh, equal to and is uh, uh, as with as much impact as F. Scott Fitzgerald's work, uh, you know, a, a generation or two earlier. And it's been a long time since I've read On the Road. So I mentioned this in a podcast, and I, I didn't. I, I'm I'm a little bit interested in in where it, it came from because, you know, sometimes these little things that just pop out of my head can actually become podcasts as well. So this little Jack Kerouac thing just came to me, and I was kind of uh, I was kind of explaining where the nomad movement comes from, and I mean it is fair to say that on the road has had a lot to do with this desire to seek and to to find and all the things that came from it you know route 66 the tv show all this were the all of these things were his ideas see the usa in your chevrolet all this stuff of get out on the road and experience this country because you can well he was one of the first to do it he and his friend neil cassidy who went on the road to supposedly find uh, neil cassidy's father and you know uh, did this in 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 really i think it was probably the the late 40s and he came back and i think he finished the book in 49 or 50 maybe and it wasn't published until 1957 or 58 and when it was published it was exploded onto the scene and and uh, and he really was viewed as the father of the of the beat generation and nobody really he didn't really understand that 
I don't want to do a whole podcast about Jack Kerouac. I'm just giving you some background. But I realized when I was, because what happened is I mentioned in the podcast, and when you do that, now my phone heard me, and, and now I've, I've been pushed all kinds of videos about Kerouac, whether it's uh, Douglas Brinkley uh, doing this thing in Austin, Texas, or uh, whether it is uh, somebody somebody who's put together some interviews, whatever. Now I got all this, I got Kerouac in my head 24 hours a day now. And so that I found interesting. And at the same time, I've been thinking about that book, reading that book when I was 19, I don't know, 18, and having this desire to hit the road most of my life and now being finally able to do it. So I want to talk about the romance of the road without getting too heavy. The sheer joy of go, 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 go in podcast 1052, while I spray for flies, the Bob Davis podcasts. I need I need a client that makes some kind of insect flying insect killer because I'm an expert in the use of said. And you're going to hear me spraying to get rid of these freaking flies. That's what I need. And and uh, if you are making donations to the Bob Davis podcast now, as long as I'm in the desert, that money is going to buy a flying insect killer <laughs> and fogging. You what you do is you fog the bushes, and then so if you uh, would like to contribute to the effort, I appreciate it. All you have to do is go to the page thebobdavispodcast.com, look down the right hand side of the column of the uh, the page, and you're going to see a picture of Mobile Podcast Command. Underneath that is a an oval button that says Donate. You can donate whatever you want. You can you can go on like a continuous donation thing, like my friend Todd in uh, Dallas. Thank you, Todd, for ten bucks, and others that are doing that. Five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you want. It's going to go right into the flying insect killer budget as well as the fuel budget. And thank you for donating to the Bob Davis podcast. And I hate to say it because I'm going to decry this later, but if you really want to help the Bob Davis podcast, subscribe to the Bob Davis podcast at iTunes. And you can get it uh, from uh, all the big platforms, Spotify, Amazon, uh, including uh, Audible, as well as Google Podcasts, iTunes, and right off the page, thebobdavispodcasts.com. Ever since I started doing these podcasts and traveling, changed the content of my podcast to be nomad content. I've really enjoyed it. I I, I think it's fascinating content. It never it's ever changing. It is a it is literally like I've talked about it being like peeling an onion. You get to know yourself. You spend a lot of time by yourself. There are challenges just like in regular life, but there's unique challenges to this that just make it so much fun in so many ways. And the first year, I just went coast to coast, border to border, state to state, and go, go, go all the time and and just had a blast by myself. And it, And I wasn't even thinking about the book On the Road during this period of time. So this is all me doing it and i and, and i've often talked about how you know for years i would go out for three months four months five months at a time four well four months at a time three and a half and come back and i kept when i come home i would just be like why am i why do i come back why do i come back and pay rent so that th this experience 
is probably best experienced without a tether. Don't keep the job. Don't keep the apartment, the house. Get rid of that stuff. Then you will you will feel this absolute freedom of being untethered. And I am a purist about it. I believe that this experience, this being able to run, no home but the road, no place to go except to go, that's the real experience. That's the real nomad experience in my personal view. And I'm going to talk a little bit about authenticism, and I'm going to talk about what people believe, this struggle to be authentic a little bit, and to be an individual a little bit without having to follow, without having to join, without having to belong to a greater thing. And so I'll go back to the book a little bit on the road and, I, and, and, and some of the analysis of, of Kerak as a human being after the book was very famous, after he became very famous later in life. You know, people started to, to dissect who he was. The fact is that, uh, just so everyone knows, On the Road has been presented over the years as the screed that he wrote on a roll of uh, paper. Like you would put in a teletype machine. There was a little bit more to it than that. He had extensive journals. He wrote extensively while he was on the road with Neil Cassidy. And he used Neil Cassidy to create this character that drove the story in the story. So there, there was a little bit more method to the madness than just drinking scotch and taking speed and writing on the road in three weeks. He claimed it was written in three weeks, but there was a lot more work behind it than just that. And he worked several, there were many attempts to get it, to get the tone right. So you're not going to get, uh, uh, you're not going to get on the road in a podcast. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work. But I think one of the things, that, the big takeaways is this guy loved everybody. He loved everyday people. He loved street people. He loved laborers, the people that drink in the dark bars. He went to Columbia on a football scholarship from Lowell, Massachusetts. He got hurt. He ended up in the library reading, reading, reading every literature, piece of literature he could find, every great writer he could find. Then he would go down to 42nd Street and drink and party and talk to these um, these people that lived uh, on the street down uh, in, in New York. And this is in the 40s. And in this area and throughout his life, this is kind of what he did. He found his muse and his voice in the struggles of everyday people. I think that's fair to say. So, when you are back in the world and you're a social media manager, when you're back in the world and you're a lawyer, when you're back in the world and you're doing your thing, and you're, or you're an accountant, or you're a business consultant, or whatever you do, you've got your house, you've got your car, you've, got, you've plugged in to the whole thing. He never plugged in to the whole thing. This is the essence of the rebellion, uh, the, 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 the open... Uh, road, go, 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 no yesterday, no tomorrow, no regrets, go, no place to go, no, uh, no home, even though they were going to San Francisco, right? But uh, that's, that was his motivation. That's what he was doing. And I often think about, well, I'll tell you, it's very interesting to me because uh, 
one of the things I talk about is uh, America during that period of time, the United States, especially the Western United States during that period of time. So we're going to talk about that in the second half of this podcast. Wouldn't be a Bob Davis podcast without mentioning Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul, because when it comes to keeping all of your systems running right, uh, especially in your business, but also home, or if you own rental property, when you have plumbing or heating or air conditioning problems, you want reliable service, that means Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul, 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis. 612-927-6488. They've been in business for 70 years, and there is little that they have not seen before. One of the things that they're telling me that I should be talking about, A, air conditioning checks. Uh, You guys, I don't care if you have a business or or you've got rental property or it's your own house, that box gets clobbered all winter with all sorts of horrible things. Animals, uh, they found uh, rats' nests and squirrel nests in air conditioning systems. So when you go to turn that on and it's 90 degrees and you haven't had it checked, guess what? Anything can happen. That's why we do air conditioning checks. You can call Ryan for that. And then also, uh, if you have a business with a bunch of bathrooms, so if you have rental property or you have a business with a bunch of bathrooms, you know you can be spending a lot of money for water, and water is increasing in price. So a lot of the time, uh, if you have old toilets, just replacing the toilets makes a huge difference in terms of efficiency of water usage. Call Ryan Plumbing, 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. Ryan Plumbing and Heating. Click on the banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com or visit ryanplumbing.com. Well, it's almost time for yoga. I'm going to go out to the truck and shoo the flies away, and uh, I'm going to do uh, an hour's worth of yoga. And when I do that, I always think of my friend uh, Juliet at BU Enterprises, because what they do is help people get back in their bodies. They help people breathe. They help people de-stress right at their desks using the modern miracle of Zoom. So BU can, well, they can do uh, FaceTime. They can do Zoom, whatever. They have corporate rates, so if you have a bunch of people in the office, she can show you how to do stretches and uh, various exercises that will really make a big difference. If you're working with a bunch of people and you want to help your team, visit VU Enterprises, B-U-B-E-U-Y-O-U-B-U-Enterprises.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. If you want a discount for your packages, just enter B-O-B for the Bob Davis Podcasts. And uh, I don't know what else to tell you. It helped me, and I'm just so grateful that it's hot in the desert and I can do yoga outside. I'm fascinated with the West. It is compelling. It has got me. I'm obsessed with the West to a certain degree. Because to me, it's the whether it's West Texas or Colorado or Yakima Valley or Arizona, this two-lane road winding off into the distance up into the mountains or down into the desert is still the American West to me. This is the frontier. And I think it's one of the reasons I love it so much because the frontier has all this promise. What will be tomorrow? Now, you know, I'm not stupid. This isn't the frontier of the 19th century. It certainly isn't even the frontier of the 20th century anymore. And I think that's sad because I often wonder what we have lost by the gain. I also am a realist, and I know that the gain had to come. But, 
you know, Phoenix is a very different place in 2022 than it was in 1922, obviously. I mean, every city in America is, but the Old West concept that existed in the 1840s and 50s and then was written about in the 1890s and up to the 1920s, Zane Gray and so forth, well, that's gone. It's been gone for a long time. But I wonder what it would have been like if you came out here in the late 1940s or even in the 1920s, but the late 40s, which is when uh, Neil Cassidy and, and Jack Kerouac came out to the West. Would you have found a more authentic America than today? And I think you would. The idea that social media and life in the 21st century has robbed us of our spiritually American authenticism and replaced it with some kind of tribalism. And maybe this is why life back in the land of the bricks and sticks is so oppressive today and why the idea of nomad life is so romantic. We're acting like someone else or something else is what we join into that's already going because that's how you stay relevant these days. I mean, basically, the uh, the idea is that if 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 you're truly an individual and you're truly acting from your heart and you're truly doing fill in the blank, well, there there might not be a, a movement to support it. There wasn't a movement to support what later became referred to as the Beat Generation when those guys were out in the the 49 Chevy blasting across the desert, eating pork and beans by the side of the road. There was no, there there wasn't a movement. And, and, And so this is why I recoil at the idea of a quote-unquote nomad movement or anyone's attempt to corral it or explain it and even dipping a toe into it while you keep the house and the job. The idea that you can, well, you know, you can have that experience. No, you can't. Not if you keep the house and the job. Certainly, it's a way to experience the pure joy of go, 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 but you're not really going and going and going. You're not really having that experience because... uh, Giving it up, rejecting a lifestyle is why the nomad remains timeless, mysterious, rebellious. The real nomad. As an image. As something someone will look at and say, I want that. I want to do that. So when a person lets go of it all and they go, 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 as Kerak said, there's no yesterday there's no regrets there's no tomorrow there's just go and keep going and and continue to go i mean that's being in the mystery and if you're really truly an individual and you're really truly authentic and you're in the mystery maybe you wouldn't be doing the nomad thing i'm doing it because this is what was in me to do this is what i wanted to do i didn't get up one morning look at a bunch of instagram pictures and say boy i've got to do this I'm gonna I want to join up with those people. And I'm gonna be one of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in that tribe. I'm still just doing this, you know, uh, uh, trying to define it, sift through it, try to say, well, 
I thought at first, well, I'll tell people that I'm out here trying to find out what's going on in, in America. Well, I've let go of that a little bit. I mean, I still have my ideas about what's going on in America. I see why Jack Kerouac loved the average person, because there's a there's a certain level of authenticity to people who are, you know, uh, working in the fields or uh, living in the small towns or whatever, you know, you're talking about. But it breaks into a larger question of how does one define themselves in in a society where everything's already been defined, where there's a Facebook page to like, you know, or an Instagram feed to like. These days, it, you know, you go out and you drive through a town or you go onto the freeway and it's like a Stephen King novel where everybody has some kind of a logo. You know, he always talks about Joe wearing a T-shirt that has the happy face on it or something or... You know, uh, there's a there's some kind of an indicator in a character in almost every Stephen King novel where they're defined by the bumper sticker on their car or something to that effect. The bumper snicker, so to speak. Today, everybody's got a bumper sticker. Everybody's got a logoed T-shirt. Everybody uh, has a flag on their car or some kind of thing on their rig that says, I'm this or I'm that. I don't care if you're a female bodybuilder or a, a handyman. You've got some, I'm all about skill, or I'm all about this, you know, beta blocker thing that I drink uh, that makes my arms bigger, or, or have you checked out my Instagram feed for da-da-da-da-do, you know, that it's everywhere, where you can't just go experience something, it has to be an experience that you share with the world. People say, you should do video. Why? I don't want to do video. This is it. This is the, this is the thing, because this is the medium that I can ask those questions. And I think this is one of the things that is most disturbing about modern life is we've replaced our natural American individual authenticism with tribalism. We have chosen to be this. We have, well, what are we doing? We are saying, I'm this or I'm that. That's saying I belong to this or that. And I don't see that as being self-defining. In fact, I see it as a weakness. This idea that you would attach yourself, that you would that you would give up your sovereignty to a movement or a thing or a Facebook page and say, I'm a this or a that. And I think that's one of the things that's probably different in the United States than it was in the 1940s. Yeah, people wanted to be part of something, but they remained individuals because they weren't required to join this or that or to hit the subscribe button uh you know so that you can get a steady scream uh, scream <laughs> steady scream or steady stream of that whatever it is that you've decided to become part of and i think one of the alluring things about doing this being a nomad is the idea that you are on a search for yourself. And I would definitely endorse that. I'm definitely on a search for myself. Now, I'm not going to say that I don't know myself. I, I've always known where I am and who I am. I've always known and been quite aware, acutely aware often, of my weaknesses. I've spent a lifetime creating content and expressing myself. So uh, I'm very familiar with all of the insecurities and everything else that, that are part of that. I never had to say, gee, I don't know who I am. I'm going to hit the road and find myself. That's not, that's not who I am. I hit the road 
because it was in me to do it, because it gave me pure joy. And it was the going. And I've learned since, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm backed down because of high fuel prices. I've talked about that in recent podcasts. But I've learned since even that, that, that when I would stop and see friends, that would come creeping back in, that frustration level and say, because I don't, I didn't want to, I don't want to have a yesterday or a tomorrow. I want to have a today. And that's what I'm doing. And I do see the self-defining movement that that people say you know how many times have you seen on social media especially linkedin this authenticism you know your authentic self you have to be your authentic self and nobody knows what that means they think it means you have to say hit the subscribe button you know and like the page and become part of this quote-unquote movement that was the whole thing that was so confusing let's say about the hippies is you know they they kept saying why what does it mean this movement we're gonna have this we're gonna have this movement and the beat generation was gonna have this movement and Kerouac didn't understand it he didn't support it he didn't feel that he was part of a movement or or even ever intend to start a movement he wanted to be a great writer which he was and is is viewed as today that was his objective it was a if you will an artistic or professional objective and and uh, the venue he chose was you know he traveled and he attached himself to people and, and met people and talked to people and learned about people and what they were doing because that was what his interest was who are we who am i That's the discovery of the sheer joy of go, 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 go. And I think if you didn't know who you were and you you hit the road and you untether, and when I say untether, it's getting rid of everything. It's getting rid of your house, selling your possessions or throwing them away. It's cutting that off so that you don't have to carry that baggage. And again, talked about bringing the nightmare to the dream. Out here, you see it all the time. People... Uh, have escaped the straitjacket for the wide open you know vista of the western desert and uh it won't it isn't long before they start telling people where to park and how to do this and what to do and uh you know <laughs> when you can do this and why don't you do that and why don't you come over here with us and do this and uh you can't do that uh that's not that's not part of the the experience that's not the discovery of the individual yourself the authentic self and i know people have written books and all that i know there's coaches out there that help people find their authentic self i have no use for it because i'm authentic i am who i am it's just it's hard to get it across through a microphone it's hard to get it across through writing you know even the Kerak had struggled with getting the voice just right getting the words just right to be able to fully express the point to to get people to understand the heart through this filter of writing and uh, and voice so uh I, I i'm not searching for myself so much as i'm 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 letting myself run riot <laughs> i'm just having a wonderful time because this is what i wanted to do so nomad is not something to join 
It's not a movement. People refer to it as a movement. Please, no, please. Uh, nomads aren't going to rise up and try to try to start running the country. I I think I think I talked at one point and I noted on social media at one point. What's wrong with people trying to find a new American dream? And I do think that that's relevant. That if your dream is to, to hit the road and, and just go where you want to go and, and be who you want to be, well, good for you. Far be it for me to define that experience or to tell you how to have that experience. That's you. Uh, and, 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 and the hope I have is that it would be as pure for you as it was for me at the beginning and still is really because i'm learning a lot by by not doing anything by staying still or by traveling short distances and staying longer there's i'm having a deeper experience which i will talk about when i figure it out that's a little bit deeper experience uh than just you get up in the morning and you're in a truck stop and the next day you get up in the morning and you're in a forest service uh camp and the next day you're in a walmart parking lot you know, I'm having a little bit deeper, deeper experience, and, and that's great. But far be it for me to tell you what kind of experience you should have. And that should be the basis of the nomad movement. You know, we've got schoolie, hashtag this and hashtag that, instead of just, there is no, there are no hashtags. Imagine there's no hashtags. Imagine there's no, uh, you know, page to like. There's no whatever. And just have the experience of driving around a school bus because you wanted to do that. So you're having that experience and discovering how you authentically feel about that without having to tell everybody how you did it. And that's what I see. I see a lot of that out here. I see a lot of people who feel who are doing it. They're doing exactly what the next person before them did. They're posting videos of the of the arches, and they're posting videos of the Grand Canyon. I have videos of the Grand Canyon. I haven't posted it. Well, I guess I did post that one because that was pretty cool. I put that on Facebook. But generally, I don't post everything, and I don't want to. And you save stuff for yourself, visions and, and things that are in your head that are part of your experience. So it's a mystery. The discovery really is the sheer joy of go, 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 go. No, I haven't forgotten 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated community-focused refueling station in Minneapolis. Going to say a couple things really fast. One, they can save money on fuel. They pass the savings on to you. I know fuel is expensive, but every buck you save is a buck in your pocket. That's the first thing. The second thing is the stores, the special sauce. They have great stuff in there, great candy, great coffee. They have empanadas, which as far as I'm concerned is the best thing of all. They are in South Minneapolis at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue South. Go over there, get yourself a cup of coffee, buy some candy, get a fill-up, say hello, and they might give you a mug. If, the, if you're really nice about it. Because <laughs> I know somebody that did that and they gave him a mug. Thank you. 3-6 Lynn for sponsoring the Bob Davis Podcasts. A little tortured, but a lot, of, a lot of the questions coming up, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this question of authenticity and finding ourselves and having this authentic experience, this romantic experience, the joy of go, 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 go. And it is great. Thanks for listening to Bob Davis Podcast, Podcast 1052. Poop. I'm 
sunny side and over easy Hundred miles from Alameda Stopping by and taking in the view Just picking up a souvenir Swap a story, share a beer Feel the itch that makes me want to move Cause there's always been a stranger in my soul Who loves a good goodbye and a good hello I'm just a tourist I don't know where I belong And myself foolish Yeah, but nowhere feels like home So I roam from town to town Taking snapshots of 